Kevin Clark. I am Kevin Clark. Our third recording of the day, inexplicably an emergency podcast. Aaron Rodgers has been traded to the New York Jets. Lindsay, our long national nightmare is over. How you doing, buddy? Thank God. I'm great. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that this is finally over. Okay. So some housekeeping notes. Travis Kelsey was to leave this episode. This happened. Travis Kelsey is after this discussion. We're just going to do a quick topper. We recorded a full episode. This is just how the business works. We recorded a full full episode uh, that will go up Wednesday. We'll also have Sauce Gardner and Von Miller on Wednesday. That's pretty cool um, since those two guys will have some interesting perspective. One play, two AFC East folks. One of them happens to play with the team that Aaron Rodgers is on now. Uh, one of whom, one, one guy will be trying to sack Aaron Rodgers twice a year. Really excited about that. So, so that analysis that we had this morning will go up on Wednesday's episode. We're just going to get to this one. Let's go. Wednesday. This is... Uh, something that I, I got so worried this morning. I don't know if you saw it. Rob Domovsky was on ESPN and I'd heard this too, but basically if I heard some version of it, just less optimistically that if this didn't happen this week, which most people thought it was going to happen, but if it didn't happen this week, we might've been looking at August. We might've been looking at training camp. Will he, will he show up? Is he going to hold out? Is he going another darkness retreat? Is he going on McAfee? This I I wasn't gonna say this could get ugly. It just could get like like Exhausting. we all remember Farve Watch. We all remember Farve Watch. Nobody wanted to go through that. Nobody wanted to go through that. Uh probably least of all the Jets, um, who just wanted to have a plan at quarterback. Uh the Jets didn't want to get in a situation where other teams were sniffing around and saying, wait, 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 second round pick, third round pick. Those are the things that are being bandied about. Let's get this done. Maybe the Niners jump in. Like you don't want to let it linger. I think people were saying, oh, the Jets have all this leverage. Well, they need to get them at some point. They can't just let it. They just can't exert their leverage. And then all of a sudden someone, some other team swoops in. So this had to happen for everybody. Um, let's, let's get to the, the terms. If you haven't seen it. The Jets get Aaron Rodgers, pick number 15, a 2023 fifth round pick. Packers get pick number 13, a 2023 second round pick. That's pick 42. Sixth round pick, a conditional 2024 second round pick that becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays. I saw Albert Breer had a note that basically Woody Johnson was worried they'd become this year's Broncos, uh, which is just the worst possible fate. What a tough look for the Broncos, by the way. Wow. Um, so wow. they wanted some protection. Lindsay, what do you got? This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. 
Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. I, I mean, this isn't, I mean, the terms aren't wild, right? I mean, no. I think this deal About what totally we makes thought. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there was stuff, you know, if we, if we look back a month or two ago, like what, you know, banding about what the trade capital could be. Uh, I don't yeah. think the Jets wanted um, to give up a first round pick. Ultimately, they're just swapping first round picks this year. So, you know, I think this is very reasonable. Both teams are now able to move on. And look, we had this deadline this week, you know, deadline in air quotes, because, you know, the Packers wanted to be able to like do something with picks yes. this year and to be able to move on. And now we have, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever it is until the draft, they can figure out, you know, their plans now what they're going to do um the swapping of first round picks is kind of you know what it's 13 and 15 so it's not going to be you know earth-shaking kind of moves there but it's done i mean i guess some some uh, paperwork has to be finished you know <laughs> brian gudekunst has been like pumping the brakes a little bit you know i think whenever aaron Rodgers involved you know you want to make sure everything is done uh nobody's gonna you know back out at the last second but it sounds like it's all formalities and you just have to get out get this done and we can move forward to the draft the Jets knew who the play what who their quarterback is maybe Aaron Rodgers will show up for OTAs maybe I love this for the Jets let's 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 actually just do the do the I'm of two minds thing and then I'm gonna get into both <laughs> okay love this for the Jets had to do it ellipsis they're not on the top line of Super Bowl contenders even in the AFC. They're not. However, they had to do this. They had to raise their ceiling at quarterback. They it, This is a significantly better investment than just going out and getting a mid-tier veteran. And now I know the cynical person say, well, they did get a mid-tier veteran. He, he, has the, uh, he has the ability to be more than that, just not watching the 2022 tape. This is a guy who won the two previous MVPs. Uh, he had, he was banged up last year. There were throws he was just not making last year. There were deep passes he was just not making last year. It was uncharacteristic. I understand that age. I think we've gotten a little too flippant about age in this league and said, oh, well, he's, you know, he's 38. It's going to be fine. Like, yeah, that does, that does add up. But I know that he's capable of playing better than he did last year. With Garrett Wilson, with a line, I think, that has some good young players, um, if they're healthy. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, there's some comfort there. That defense is nasty. They had to make a move like this. So I love this for the Jets. I love this for the Jets fan base who deserve nice things. I feel so bad for Jets fans. Like, I, I had a co talk, conversation with Ruiz about this a couple months ago because he was getting swarmed about something. Uh, by Jets fans and I, I've gotten that too and the unfortunate thing is we've always been right right like everybody got really mad at me because I said they were going to waste Sam Darnold's rookie contract after his rookie year I think I said because Adam Gase was a disaster right they let Mike McHagan have a set, extra draft all this stuff everybody got so mad at me and the problem is not with Jets fans it's with the Jets franchise themselves who put the Jets fans in bad positions right like that's the problem this is a passionate amazing fan base who love football and they just deserve better than what they've been handed. They just deserve better than whatever Woody Johnson has been giving them with bad GMs and bad coaches and retreads and all these crazy stories you hear and, and the way they operate and the way they listen to the media all the time. Um, it has not been a franchise worthy of its fan base. 
I'm going to write that down. That's a good, that's a good line for the piece um, that I'm writing as I'm doing this. Um, but now with Joe Douglas, who I think had an incredible draft class last year, and I don't, not, I think he did. I think there's, there's some science here. There's some science here. And, and I don't think Woody Johnson's ever going to be a top tier owner, but I also think that this is the kind of move that makes sense that you, you didn't overpay. You didn't cripple your franchise. Let's say Aaron Rodgers is bad. Well, you're not going to become this year's Broncos because you didn't mortgage your future for that. You didn't mortgage your future. This is a, a very unjets move by the jets. And that's why I like it. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's, you know, there are some, you know, questions here, right? You look at what the AFC looks like and what it's going to take to make it to the AFC championship game, let alone get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl, the gauntlet of other quarterbacks that you're going to have to go through. And look, they have the Bills in their division who, and even if the Bills take a little bit of a step back, which is certainly possible, the Bills are still the best team in that division, one of the very best teams in the AFC. But what having Aaron Rodgers does on your roster, while it doesn't make you the favorite in the AFC East, it might not even make you be the, the second best team in the AFC East. If you look at, if you like the Dolphins and what the Dolphins um, can possibly be at their peak when Tua is healthy. What Aaron Rodgers does is puts you in playoff contention. It's going to put them in the mix for one of those wild card spots for sure. And it is going to give them a better chance to win a playoff game. Does it give, does it mean they're going to win four playoff games that they could go on a big run like that? I don't know, but if you put them in a playoff game against Ryan Tannehill and the ten and the Titans, the Chargers, knowing how the Chargers play in the postseason, really anybody else, once you get into the tournament, you like having Aaron Rodgers on your team. Speaking of organizations to make weird decisions, the Los Angeles Chargers. Hey, just thinking out loud here. Old quarterback, not a huge market uh, for his services, not a huge market for his services. When he gets to uh, when his team tries to cut him loose or doesn't want him anymore. Um, swarming young defense and skill guys. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Tom Brady yeah. to Tampa Bay just three years bucks. ago. And I'm not saying that again, I've, I've already stated that I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. I'm just saying like, I, I'm sorry. I think they're a Super Bowl contender because but there's, 16 to 17 teams that go in the Super Bowl every single year, but they're not on, on the line with, with the Chiefs and, and the Bills and that sort of thing. Um, but the, what that team got hot at the right time. They had the veteran quarterback who knew what to do. Their defense was just fast as hell and was able to punish teams. They went on the road and won a bunch of playoff games. It seems to me like the ingredients are there for it all to come together. If everything breaks right, if there's health there, then, then the, the path is pretty clear. Um, let's flip it around here and talk about the Green Bay Packers. So I do think it's a little unfair. I don't know if you saw it, where Andy Reid was asked about Jordan Love and he didn't know who Jordan Love was. Did you see this? I did not see that. So just so everybody knows, the owners' meetings are this weird mid-March event where every coach sits at a breakfast uh, breakfast table and it is very early, by the way, very early. It breakfast. is very early. This is not a brunch. Your boy has walked in 40 minutes late sometimes just because, you know, there's a lot of sourcing that goes on throughout the weekend. And sometimes you just need the extra hour of sleep. Um, also, everything's on transcript and it's really hard to ask a question. Anyway, 
uh, at this year's, which I was not at, I was on paternity leave, no big deal. Um, they asked because Jordan Love's first and only start was against the uh, was against the Chiefs two years ago. They asked Andy Reid about this about Jordan Love, and he was like, "Remind me, remind me on who Jordan was." So that's kind of where we're at with Jordan Love. We're replacing a Hall of Famer with a guy that Andy Reid, not totally sure on, needed needed a bit of a memory jog there. When I think about this trade, and I think about it from the Packers' perspective, there is a shockingly high amount on the line. And I would also, by the way, put that put the Jets in this bucket too, because Joe Douglas is, you know, he doesn't. It's not like he gets unlimited shots at, at picking a quarterback, especially in this market and the way the owner operates. Um, Robert Sala, it's not like he's just going to get to sit there and just keep rebuilding the team. Like they've got to hit with the picks they have, and I think Joe Douglas has earned a huge leash because of the uh, of the young guys he's picked, because of how cheap they are. He he deserves to see this out from the Packers' perspective. Brian Gutenkunst picked back. Picked best player available a couple of years ago with Jordan Love. Um, he stuck his neck out. He, in a lot of ways, would destabilize the plan for the franchise when you think about taking a successor to Aaron Rodgers before Aaron Rodgers was ready to have a have a successor. Um, and Matt Lafleur, who has won a lot, they've got they've got to prove it now. And like Matt Lafleur who has runs a really good offense and comes from the, the McVay tree. Like he's got to generate something out of Jordan love and it can't be abstract anymore. So both of those guys have quite a bit on the line now. And, and I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see it because this is not a team that's going to take a step back from a rebuild perspective. Like they've got young guys who can play. So I'm intrigued to see sort of how this develops and what their expectations are in green Bay this year. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we, we were talking a lot about, you know, how the jets had to do this and how it takes, you know, kind of a lot of guts to go make an aggressive move and, you know, trade a lot to get a guy, you know, to make the, make the big aggressive move. It's almost more gutsy, more ballsy to hit reset and to move on from that other guy. I mean, I remember a year ago, I mean, what were we all saying about Seattle? Like, how are you walking into that abyss of you had a guy and even if things weren't perfect and he was getting older, you had, at least you had a quarterback and you were walking into a future that included, you know, Geno Smith, who had been years since he'd been a starting quarterback and Drew Locke. And they were willingly walking into that. And we all laughed at them and it turned out pretty good, uh, much better. Now everybody's laughing at the Broncos, as you uh, just mentioned. And, you know, for the Packers, like they have had decades of quarterback stability decades, which most franchises would kill to have five years of quarterback stability. And the Packers have had it since the early nineties, which it's just completely unheard of. And now they are, you know, making a really, really difficult decision. One that they set themselves up for. They were the ones who put themselves in the situation first by drafting Jordan Love and then structuring Aaron Rodgers contract extension last year in a way that it made it untenable for both of those guys to be on the roster together in 2023. They set themselves up for this, but that is a really difficult decision to make to go from hall of fame quarterback who had very recently won multiple MVP awards to a complete unknown. And honestly, I don't know if it's going to work. You know, the Packers know way more about Jordan love than the rest of us do. All the rest of us have to go on is that game against the chiefs. And, you know, he played a fairly decent half of football against the Eagles in a game last year. Um, That game against the Chiefs, uh, his only start. Uh, I was at that game. (laughs) He looked very bad. It was a really, really rough day. Steve Spagnuolo also threw every single blitz possible. I mean, Spags is a guy who's going to blitz 
all the time. And oh, wait, I have a nugget. Moved. I have a nugget about that. When I was reporting oh, sure. the floor story, somebody told me that they said that uh, this is. The, I want to get the. So they basically they said that they pre- prepped him for everything, but they didn't have all the, almost everything. But they didn't have all the time in the world, and so they never really prepped him on a zero blitz. And then the zero, the like bag started spamming the zero blitz, and yeah. they were like, "Oh shit!" Like yeah. they were like, "Oh, we didn't get to that." You know, it's like it's a, it's like yeah, a, and they a only, col- I mean, they literally like did only professor. have a couple days. It's like a college professor. It's like, oh yeah, we didn't get to that in the lesson plan. It's fine. Oops. Yeah, I mean, I remember at the end of that game, and but this like teeny tiny super cramped press box room where we knew that COVID was going through the Packers, and yet we were all in this like tiny press conference room in Arrowhead Stadium and uh Matt LaFleur stood up there and he just was like this was entirely my fault like none of this is on Jordan this is all on me and look coaches are going to say that when their guy plays poorly but he was like I didn't have him ready for what he was going to face so we just you know I I want to give Matt LaFleur especially some benefit of the doubt that like he knows this guy well and he knows what's uh you know what Jordan Love is capable of um but yeah I mean just a ton, a ton of pressure. And I'm, I'm very curious if, you know, our, your editor, my colleague, Meg Schuster is yeah. a lifelong Green Bay Packers fan. I've been texting with some other Green Bay Packers, uh, fan friends that I know to like, how are you feeling about all of this? And I just, I think there's a lot of just kind of like relief that it's over. You know, I think this had been building for a long time and kind of just there, it just seems kind of like ready, you know, like enjoy, they, they enjoy what the Rogers experience was, but now it's kind of time. And now Jets fans can get really excited about the prospect of adding the player Aaron Rodgers. And now we'll get to experience some of the Aaron Rodgers experience that maybe Packers fans had grown tired of. I'm housing iced coffee because I have to write about this um, in a children's cup. Um, let's talk with the Aaron Rodgers experience real quick before we go. He said he was 90% retired. He went in a darkness retreat. Are we sure when he gets here? everything's going to go smoothly and he's going to, I'm like, this might be a four months of Aaron Rodgers situation. And that's why they have the protection, obviously with the second round pick moving into a first, if he plays uh, 65% of the snaps next year. But as much as we love this and as much as, as much as I love it. And as much as it makes sense, there's some real short-term combustible uh, possibilities here. Yeah. I mean, you have a quarterback who is going to, you know, who considers himself to be a, free and independent thinker and the smartest man in the room. And maybe sometimes he is a guy who is very opinionated about offense. So I think there's uh, some football considerations there. What is the offense going to look like? What sort of rapport is he going to have with these young receivers? I mean, uh, it's not something that we've talked about in green Bay, right? How, how hard it is for Aaron Rodgers to get on the same page with wide receivers. So, I mean, I think there are some big questions there. Um, But, you know, Roger Sherman from uh, our staff, he and I have talked a lot about this. He's going to be writing about it also for the ringer here shortly is that um, he's a Jets fan and has kind of experienced these decades of quarterback ineptitude and, The Jets are now willingly walking into everything that goes into Aaron Rodgers. And it could be freaking awesome. You know, this is the guy who can throw the Hail Marys and make every single throw and, uh, you know, breathe fire. He's also the guy that makes you sit on a live stream to watch Pat McAfee and him, you know, and Aaron Rodgers spew conspiracy theories or show his feet or talk about who knows what, 
you know, it's, it's the entire spectrum. All of this now is, is heading to New York. Uh, the tabloids are going to have fun with it. I think Aaron Rodgers will handle it just fine. Um, but it's something that, uh, you know, Robert Sala and company are going to have to <laughs> get ready for. Do they have that live stream ready? I want to address one thing, which is everyone's like, oh, Rogers is going to hate the New York media or, or he's not going to like being under the microscope. Aaron Rodgers loves the idea of everybody hanging on every single word he says. There was a coach, not in football, who uh, kind of is an acquaintance of an acquaintance, and I ran into him maybe five years ago. And he was in a different market, a non-New York market. And they were talking about how much he hated the small market he was in. Okay. And they were basically saying, like, I could I could take little digs in New York, and the New York tabloids would know exactly where I was going with it, and they'd blow it up and they'd get my words out there, and I could have plausible deniability. But what me? No, 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 that's not what I said. And they would just take everything to 100, always. And this guy loved it because he'd always get his message out. Everything they did was news. He understood how to manipulate the press, right? And then he got to this other market and the press couldn't be manipulated because they were just kind of stenographers, right? And they were just like printing what he said. They never really went with anything. They never really understood how to blow things up. Or if he said, you know, you take, you take little digs at your players to try to motivate them and the beat writers can't even pick up on it, that kind of thing, right? If you know how to play the press, and I believe Aaron Rodgers does, the New York media market is gold because they want to go along with you when you play them. They want to, they, we're all in this together as the media when you're looking at it from a beat writer perspective. I haven't been a beat writer in years. You haven't been a beat writer either. But you know when a player is taking you somewhere and the beat is just like, yes, let's go here. Happens all the time. Aaron Rodgers is capable of that. He's going to love New York. He's going to love, oh, he's absolutely going to love it. He's going to act like he hates it. And there will be times where it gets like kind of snippy and combative. And then there's going to be times where he's going to pander and he's going to love it. it it's going to be really fun to watch. And I don't, you know, I don't think he's going to like retreat into a shell and not want to, you know, talk to the media or he's going to get super snippy all of the time. You know, I think there probably will times be times where he doesn't play great in a certain game and he won't be happy the way something happens, but largely I think his biggest issues are with like the national press. Right. And he can still have those grudges. I guess. But like, I also, it, was there some issue where whenever he played poorly in green Bay, nobody noticed like it's the NFL. Like I, you're Aaron Rodgers. You're probably playing on Sunday night or at yeah. four twenty-five on Sunday afternoon against the Cowboys or, or the bears or some huge game. Like you're under the microscope already. You might as well, live on a farm in middle the middle of Jersey. Oh, know. no, we knew when he played poorly because he'd step up there and he'd uh, tell us exactly yeah. what he was thinking. I uh, know. Where's he going to live? I mean, it's you're really the New York guy. Hard. You tell me. I know, but it's really hard Florham, to live. Florham Park is really hard to get to, first of all. Uh, yeah, it's, that's what I was about to say. It's really hard to live anywhere close to Manhattan. The Giants guys, because uh, their practice is right, right across the river, it's easier for them to at least go into Manhattan. Yes. Uh, there's been some, you know, notable incidents there, uh, over the years at, at New York nightclubs on, on, uh, on off nights, but the jets, it's quite hard to be like a city person 
This is Mark Sanchez's problem. He's trying to go to Broadway shows in season. Man, that's a long road back to the middle of Jersey. Well, you know, Rogers can afford. He's going to make about $60 million this year if he wants to get a place in the West Village and, uh, you know, several acres in New Jersey near Florham Park. I'm sure he could. I'm sure he could do that. Maybe he's heard, t- Taylor Swift is now back in New York City. We'd love to see some like Aaron Rodgers and Taylor Swift cavorting around the West Village. Just hanging out going to Cafe Clooney, getting a drink. Um, we'll all get right. a crossover pod with Nora. It'll be great. I love that. She might have a crossover F1 pod here in a, in a couple of days if, if uh, <laughs> some of these some of these tweets don't get debunked about F1. Um, all right, Lindsey Jones, we'll see you. You're coming on the Von Miller pod tomorrow. So we'll uh, see you tomorrow. Yeah, speaking of reunions. Yeah, that'll be great. Love it. All right. Here's Travis Kelsey, guys. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. All right, Travis Kelsey, podcasting superstar, Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> tight end. He's here with Lowe's. We're going to get to that. What's going on, brother? What's going on, big guy? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm so excited for you to be here. Um, let's start with this. Last time you were on this show, we talked a lot about the 2009 Orlando Magic versus 2009 Cavs. I get it. We, you're a Cavs fan. You're a Northeast Ohio guy. That's that's the whole Heights thing. Do you mm-hmm. hate the Knicks right now? Man, I'll tell you what, I can't say I hate the Knicks because I do love when Madison Square Garden is rocking and it's at its full. It just makes the game so much more fun. You know, I think uh, New York and uh, and Chicago, at least in my mind, have kind of been the mecca for basketball uh, throughout the 90s and um, and when I was growing up. And uh, to see that place rocking yesterday and how the how the Knicks fans were acting after the game, you know, it was kind of appreciated. But I need another uh, I need another Cavs 3-1 deficit comeback real bad right now. <laughs> We've seen it before. Um, let's get to to this, the podcasting part of it, because you're getting all of these perspectives. You have Brock Purdy on Monday. Um, this this episode will be out on Tuesday, so it'll be out 24 hours by the time that, that this comes out. Um, and you're talking to guys who have never been in the Chiefs building, but you've never been in the 49ers building. You're talking to Jason, who you talk to, I'm sure, every day, but he's sharing Eagles experiences. Are you learning about football by getting all these perspectives in? What's one thing where you're like, ah, I kind of changed my mind talking to all these guys who are in the league and and, and sharing with you football info? Because some of, the, some of these conversations are just great, Trav. I appreciate it, man. And it's been, it's been a blast, actually, to hear everybody's perspective on, on, yeah. on kind of the things that they've gone through in life. Um, and then just having, having fun, just uh, kind of 
kicking it with my brother on there. Like we're at the lunch table or like we're at the dinner table or just hanging around the living room. Um, I could have never imagined it was going to be this fun and this insightful. Um, and it's just, uh, as we keep going here, we'll, we'll, we'll try and, you know, keep the, keep the stories coming because, uh, I think that's what everybody kind of relates to or is the storytelling on there and being able to kind of yeah. shoot the, uh, shoot the fun back and forth. Yeah, I love it. My wife does not care about football at all. And we were listening to some of the episodes over the weekend and she's like, this is great. I'm like, do you even know who like, who should, you even know Andy Reid is? And she's like, no, but this is a great story. Howie Roseman with Jason. She's like, oh, wow. Um, so it's it's good stuff. So uh, you described yourself, you describe yourself like this a lot, but I, I heard it on yesterday's episode in the draft. Let's be honest. You said you're a red, you were a red flag guy. Um, yeah. You had questions to answer in the draft meetings. When you went through the draft process, What's the one thing that you learned about the draft process that surprised you that you now think about when you're going, when you're watching these prospects go through it? Um, man, the one thing that I really learned is that, uh, you can't get your, you can't get your hopes up, I guess. I don't want it to be a dark <laughs> thing that I learned from it, but I mean, I was just, I worked, I, I got so, you know, invested in, you know, being the, the number one tight end off the board or, you know, a higher pick than what I was. And um, I feel like that's just a bad way to go about it, man. You're going to get, if if you're, you know, if you're projected to be in those, those top couple of rounds, you're going to get drafted. And that's, that's a great opportunity to have in general. I mean, I'm so lucky that I slipped the 63 or I, I got drafted at 63 with the Kansas city chiefs because um, you know, I don't think my career is the same without being here. So it's just taking advantage of those opportunities when you get in the building. I love when a guy comes on and he's coached by an offensive genius or defensive genius because you learn so much about the sport. And I, I love getting uh, Kyle Shanahan stories from guys who play in San Francisco or Richard Sherman was telling me like, some crazy Kyle Shanahan stories about just what he taught the defense and how to break the rules of other defenses, all that stuff, right? And I'm curious, when you're with Andy, the most mind-blowing thing he's taught you about football is what? Things that we would never consider in a million years. He's sitting there. He's telling you something. What is it that you've learned where you go, holy crap, Andy's on a different level? The, the one that really just uh, – that it's like ingrained in my mind is to, is to always let your personality show. You can get so caught up in, in being this fundamental, you know, this perfect athlete, this perfect player, this perfect role – uh, or chess piece to say uh, in this offense. And, um, you know, you can get caught up in kind of, you know, thinking about the strategy and the, and the, the, the strategic side of things. And in the end of the day, uh, you know, you have to be able to go out there and play your game, your style of football. Uh, so it's really, what he was saying is don't forget to show your, show your personality. But what he's really saying is I know you're so locked in on this phase. Just go out and play, man. Just go out and play and just be you, be yourself, because uh, we put so much strain yeah. and so much stress on, you know, being that perfect player and making the big plays and things like that. And sometimes you got to cut it loose. Can you give me an example of a play or a game where that showed up where you said, all right, I'm going to be myself and, and they, you adapted that way? Man, my first couple of uh, weeks in uh, in training camp and uh, in, in really the preseason, I was uh, I wasn't really running through my routes and everything. I was trying to calculate everything that was going on on the field. And um, that's not how you play football. Man, the bullets are flying out there. You're going to you know, you got to you got to be able to play within the game uh, in, within the speed of the game and just react instinctually and um, really just show your love for the game. And I was thinking a lot about uh, 
a whole just uh, just what the defense is doing. What are my rules? What are the guys around me rules? So I don't you know necessarily screw things up, but I'm doing the right things. And um, when I was able to you know hear him keep reiterating that and uh, to kind of tell me to quicken up my tempo, getting got to get into route, getting in and out of breaks, get off the ball, things like that. Um, you really start to find your groove uh, as a professional. I think with Andy and Patrick, the famous story obviously is against San Francisco where he says, when it's grim, be the grim reaper. Andy knows ball more than like anybody, you know, he's, he's on a rarefied air with probably Belichick and Shanahan, which is sort of knowing the game in the NFL. You have Saban at the college level, all that stuff. Can you give me a badass Andy Reid moment? That's not that like, is there a time where he's like, all right, we're going to, we're going to score here. Like kind of like a call and a shot thing. Cause he knows all of this stuff. You hear these stories sometimes that like has more of a personality. Give me badass Andy Reid, Travis. Man, uh, man, I think uh, I think be the grim, not the grim re- or be the when it's grim, be the grim reaper. Grim, I think the grim that reaper. might be. I think that might be the most badass Andy Reid story I've uh, I've come across, man. But I um, I would say it's the it's the little uh, it's the little things that happen throughout the game. The those little boosts of motivation, the the challenge to be better for your teammates. Those are the ones that I love the most. And telling me to pick it up or wake up or yeah. you know get it going. You know, and you know, start fast, end faster. You know, those kind of moments where he's really on you and challenging you to be the best you possible. Those are my favorite Andy Reid stories. And trust me, uh, I'm saying him a way lot, uh, a whole lot nicer uh, right now <laughs> than I am when he's on the field. Man, he's a he's a hell of a competitor. So it, uh, it just comes out of him when he doesn't see uh, the best out of the, his guys. We see Mahomes, and we know what that looks like, and we know your connection. If if I'm trying to understand. Patrick Mahomes greatness in a way that hasn't been told um, in a way that we haven't seen. That's not obvious. What is it? Because I know how hard he works. I know how much he tests his limits in practice. Um, it all shows up. Nothing. I think some people look at it and they're going, Oh, it's improvisation. He's playing, you know, freestyle jazz. Like, no, 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 no. He, what he's doing, he is perfected. But when I look at, at, at Patrick Mahomes, what do I not see about the way he plays and the way he finds guys and, and just the way he commands an offense? It's it's crazy how free it looks like he's playing, but he's such a calculated individual, and uh, and all that comes with preparation. I mean, you just kind of mentioned, you know, how hard he works. I don't even know how hard that dude works. It's unfathomable how much that guy really puts in the the hours and the minutes uh, leading up into a game and a game plan. And it's um, you know, that's why that's why we love playing with him. That's why we love doing the same thing with Coach Reed because we know we're getting everything out of those guys. And uh, yeah, I would just say, you know. His, his ability to play free and, and also his ability to learn as the game goes on, as the season goes on, you know, his ability to adapt and to keep and to keep finding new ways uh, to beat you, man. It's um, it's uncanny. And I just don't you know, I've never been around anybody like that in any sport. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty special to play with. Best throw he's ever found you with. He's ever found me with. Yep. Oh, man, I've never put that to thought. I've only kind of put the thought what, uh, what his best throws were to other guys that I've actually witnessed. Um, man, there was a throw. Uh, I remember being a part of a, a play in Denver. I think it was his first year starting. So I think maybe 2018. Um, I hadn't had a catch the entire game. I think I actually dropped like three of them. We're going into the second half. And uh, the Coach Reed dials up a play for me. I get locked up yet again. Um, and then Pat starts to roll out to the left side and um, I'm all the way on the opposite numbers. And I start to kind of just trail into this void that I see, you know, there's space. And without hesitation, I just see this guy open up his hips and his, his arm and kind of just throw this ridiculous looking uh, 
you know, laser beam across the field back. And, and I, I was just like, Oh my God, here it comes, here it comes. Like I was just in such shock that he threw it. Um, that it just surprised me with it. And, uh, I mean, I was finally just, I finally, uh, hauled one in and uh, almost got a tutty out of it, but it was, uh, the, just being the, remembering that feeling of, Oh my gosh, he really threw this back over the middle like this. And also I'm about to get killed. Um, and coming out safe and almost scoring out of it. It was, uh, it was, it was a crazy, uh, roller coaster that I had in just one play. Well, you guys must put so much stress on the defense because if you're surprised that you're getting it, then hell yeah, the linebacker, the safety or the corner is, is doubly surprised. Yeah, no, I'm uh, there. There are times when the ball in the air and uh, I did not expect Pat to, to be on the same page as me or just to, you know, um, be so on point with work with, uh, with the connection. And man, it's a, uh, that's fun to play with. That's fun to play with when we kind of guess, uh, when, when it gets off script just a little bit, you know, it's, it's fun, but coach Reed does a great job of keeping us all on script and, uh, and, and keeping this, uh, machine of an offense rolling. Let's do some lightning round. Uh, biggest argument you've ever gotten in with Jason Kelsey. Man, probably, uh, whether or not NFL guys could have played in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, that was probably that's probably the biggest argument that we've gotten into uh, as of late. But um, yeah, I don't know. Other than that, probably just uh, I don't know uh, whether or not I'm allowed to use the glitches in Mario Mario Kart. Because <laughs> if you want, everybody knows you, you whoever has the whoever knows the glitches could just you know cheat the game. What I, what would you you and Jason used to play Mario Kart a lot? Is that what I'm? Is that oh, what I'm 64, on sixty four. Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Probably like I immediately went to video games because that was always half the arguments, and then we break the controller. But it's uh, who, who was who and what? Like, what were the what were your characters? What were his? Uh, for whatever reason, I remember him being Toad. He was okay. he was always just a quick. Seems like a the, the, yeah, exactly. Um, I was always Yoshi though. Okay. Okay, I like that. That's good consistency. You know, you know, you know what you're doing over and over again. Exactly. I love that. Um, best player you've seen in this draft, man. Ah, oh, that is such a good question. Um, I would say I saw Zay flowers running some routes the, the other yeah. week and man, he was fun to watch. He was fun to watch. Just kind of go out there and, uh, and, and you could see his love for the game and how he was, uh, how he was just running routes and having fun practicing. If there's another athlete that can host another NFL athlete that can host SNL, who is it? If you, if Lauren Michaels calls you and says, who's next up, you're going with who? Pat Mahomes. I mm. think Pat Mahomes can do it. I'm going to give him. Does he want to? I, th- I think he might want to. I think he might want to. I don't know. We're gonna, we're, I'm going to have to just push it on him and tell him he's got to do it. Did he want to think, before you did it, or did he see how you did, and now he's like, okay, maybe I can do this? No, I actually, I haven't talked to him about actually doing it yet. I think he there was, there was some interest uh, after the first Super Bowl, but uh, I'm not sure. Hopefully there's more interest in, in doing it because of how much fun I had doing it. Famously, you told a story about trying to get Bill Belichick to smile in a draft meeting. He did not want to smile with you. You feel like you botched it a little bit. You flopped the interaction a little bit. Do you get a do-over at some point, Bill Belichick? Like, do you want to get that smile out of him? Are you going to like try to corner him at an owner's meeting or a combine or something? You got, you got to get that. You got to make him laugh at some point. I, I don't know about a laugh. I just want his respect. That's it. If I got his respect, <laughs> I, think you got I, it. I want to like, if, as long as I got that, man, that's all, that's all that matters, man. I can, uh, I heard he's a he's a tough one to make to crack a smile. So uh, I don't, I won't need any more runs at that. I I know exactly what what that vibe is. Last thing before we get to Lowe's, uh, nightmare defender to line up against. Who do you not want to see? It doesn't matter what position they play. Whatever. When you're against one guy in the NFL right now, you go ah damn it. Who is it? 
Um, Chris Jones in practice. I don't want to see <laughs> nine five at all this training camp, but I know I'm going to see him once or twice. But uh, yeah, that guy he's a, he's an absolute animal, and he's a, it's it's unbelievable how fa- how big and fast he is and how quick his hands are. Um, he's a, he's the ultimate threat, man. Love it. Tell us what we're doing with Lowe's. Yes, I'm a, I'm a part of the Lowe's home team yet again, baby. And with the draft coming to Kansas City, uh, Lowe's and myself, uh, we we help provide some tools for the in-life pros that are out there uh, creating the draft stage uh, for all the draftees this year. Um, I'm excited to see the final product and what it looks like. But, um, you know, uh, Lowe's is also pushing the um, the MVP business tools on the on the Lowe's app. It's a, it's a great app and a great, uh, you know, addition to to their app to be able to you know just make it time faster and uh and and make it a lot easier for these pros to get the job done travis kelsey new heights podcast with lowe's kansas city chiefs thanks so much for coming on man always always fun kevin This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.